no, no plunder on TV will ever get a job again. <laughs> A week away to recharge the batteries, but we are back. The 40-yard switch, live and in the flesh, episode 54. 54. This weekend, this week, I'm sorry, uh, Wilbur is not with us as he is busy studying away for his final exam. But fear not, and the ever-dependable uh, fourth fourth time he's appeared on the show now, Max Rezik has joined us again to co-host. Welcome, my friend. Thank you, and Wilbur is only a wall away, so he can probably hear us. Well, he's got two doors, so we'll see. But uh, I'm sure he's got headphones in studying studying hard like he should be. Um, so yeah, a little bit to talk through uh, this week. We've had some international stuff to discuss and also some silly season transfers to get across. <laughs> silly season transfers. <laughs> uh, but I'm sure we'll get to that in due course. Um, kicking off with pretty much the most newsworthy things uh, of the week. Um the World Cup the World Cup spots have been finalised uh, over the past two weeks. The last three spots have been sealed, and uh, Wales qualified last week after beating Ukraine. Uh, heartbreaking fashion for the Ukraine. Uh, and then uh, over the past two days, the Socceroos and Costa Rica have earned their place to finalise the spots for the 2022 Qatar World Cup in November. Yeah, like... Surprising the Australia result, definitely. Look, I'll get to Australia and the Socceroos later because I've got a rant on that. But did you see the New Zealand and Costa Rica controversy yesterday? Oh yeah, New Zealand erupted. Yeah, so it was they lost one nil, which kicks them out of the World Cup. And former Arsenal legend Joel Campbell scored in the third minute, I saw that. which I is saw awesome. That. I love every article I read on this referred to him as former Arsenal star. Joel, That's Joel literally Campbell. what I said in the hearts. I was like, oh, former former Arsenal man, Joel Campbell. Oh, so <laughs> funny. And then afterwards, I, I didn't actually watch the game or the highlights, but it was all over the news that the New Zealand head coach was furious and essentially said the referee was an amateur and shouldn't have been refing a match of that intensity and significance. Did you did you watch the highlights or see? I, I watched I watched a version of the highlights because you can't really get any. Um, we, I, there wasn't any like good official ones anywhere, so I watched like a chopped together version. But it was enough to see the disallowed goal, the the the, the penalty dis, the, pen, the penalty that wasn't given, and the red card and the goals and all that. So you think they were robbed for sure? I think if you're gonna not give the penalty, you can't give that foul. Fair, fair. No, I didn't watch the game, but I always appreciate a coach who gets behind his team, if, even if it's a bit salty after the matter, and you go, "Well, you've oh, left yeah. it to a one-nil victory to Costa yeah. Rica. It's on you as much as it is." As it is yeah, but like New, I feel like New Zealand were considerably the better team. Like, like on the in the nine-minute highlight package or whatever yeah. I watched, they had probably. 70% of the chances um, and like I said yeah like the penalty for me could have been there it would have been probably a little bit soft but then for me the, the foul in the build up for the goal that they score for me it's never a foul like it's it's just like it's just soft from the Costa Rica player like like it's just not a foul yeah and it's this is the third World Cup in a row that New Zealand have not qualified for and remind me, I read it was the third. So it was the last time they... What's three World Cups ago? Was that in Brazil when they played last? Or it was no, three in, World Cups ago was uh, South Africa. So no, made, sorry. Russia, Brazil, South Africa. So th- the one before that would have been Germany. 
so the, didn't they didn't they make it to like the round of 16 wasn't there like some miracle run by New Zealand or did they draw a couple big games and then finish I'm the, pretty sure they would have gone out straight away because I remember there was definitely a bit of momentum behind them in that World Cup that they played in yeah I I can't remember who they would have had back then but like uh, yeah I don't think they would have gone far I think they might have drew to a team like Spain and that's why we know about yeah. it because it was all over sunrise yeah today. yeah um, but yeah, look, nothing really comes out. You know, I look at these groups, A to H, and I don't know about you, but when I look at whether it's Champions League, whether it's the Euros or the World Cup, you look at the fixture for two reasons. One, you check where your team's playing. Mm-hmm. And then two, what's the hardest group? And there's by no means a group of death here. That's what is, I kind of like about it, though. I feel exactly. like it's all very evenly spaced throughout the entire tournament. So it's an even playing field, you know, and that's the pros and cons of a group of death where really you look at this and you and I, if we picked the two teams to come out, disregard the whole third place antics. Yeah, yeah. But we could probably pick 90% of the teams that are going to come out of this. Yeah. And look, it definitely makes it more interesting with these lower teams because it's more likely that they can cause miracles. Remind me what the third place thing is again. Remember, it was the same, I think, as the Champions League where it's like the top finish. the Euros that had the same thing as well? I think the Euros had it. Definitely the Champions League had it. Um which is how Benfica or one of those teams ended up making it from the third place. The right. most points, like the top two third-placed group stage teams with the most points. They play off or something. They go into the next round. Oh, right, they just go in, okay. Yeah, so I'm not sure if that applies for the World Cup here, but I remember learning about yeah, it don't in see why the Champions not. League yeah. for the first time. So yeah, definitely more interesting. Um, to be fair, that is UEFA versus FIFA, so maybe they won't. Maybe not. Say- Maybe not. So which one, like out of these groups, which is the hardest? Yeah, well, that was the next thing I was going to say is let's go through the the groups now before we get into... Actually, no, let's let's firstly talk about the Socceroos. Mm, Then we'll get into the groups. I'll I'll let you go first. Uh, well, I, 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 to be honest, to be honest, like I, I make no secret of the fact that I'm an England, I'm an England fan. Mm-hmm. So when I woke up on the morning of and saw they'd won, I was happy for them, but didn't have a that rush of excitement that no. was exuded by a Tony Armstrong from the ABC and many people probably around the country. Probably the first soccer game he's ever watched. <laughs> nah, he's a he's a big sport guy. Um, but yeah, look. Pretty shit game from the highlights I saw. Very few chances. Goes down to penalties. Lovely bit of shit housery from from the from the red main the keeper yeah. throwing away that guy's bottle with all the I love penalty. That. That's probably the highlight yeah. for me, not the fact that we're in the World Cup. Yeah. I saw that and I was like, yeah, nice. Um, but yeah, honestly, like and like amazing considering uh, the stand, how low the standard of talent is in that team these days oh, that, they, that they've even made a World Cup. But do I think they're gonna make any sort of indent in the tournament? No. So it's kind of like, great, made it to the world stage, you know, lads on tour for, um, well, lads and ladettes on tour for uh, the World Cup in Qatar. Although, how good is going? How good is a spectatorship in Qatar really going to be at the end of the day? Well, they've got those air cons. Yeah, <laughs> but apparently, outdoor. like you're not allowed to. Uh, the the uh, Qatari government officials are told players to not wear to not bring any rainbow clothes or flags uh, because at all like be at their own risk. Apparently the alcohol is not going to be served at any stadium. I mean, this is the reality of a World Cup. It's demonstrating the different countries and cultures on hand. But regardless of the conditions that they are implementing for the World Cup itself, hard to look past of the, the situations and events that have occurred. Exactly. In the lead and up. transpired in the yeah. lead up to the World and Cup. And the fact that like it, this World Cup should have been in Australia to begin with. Yeah, that too. But look, you know, from... A Middle Eastern politics perspective, I honestly feel that Qatar is not high up on the outrageousness spectrum when you compare it to countries like 
Saudi Arabia. Oh yeah, but it's know? like I mean, you compare it to countries like Australia. Or oh, absolutely. A European nation. Absolutely. Or where, where where the next World Cup is in America, Mexico, Canada. Like, but I mean, you look at some of the countries that have qualified: Saudi Arabia, Iran, Qatar, Senegal. Well, Qatar qualifies because they're the host. Exactly. Um, who else? Ghana. When's the last time a World Cup was in Africa? Long time. South, oh, South Africa. Africa. South Africa. But other than that, I think it was the only time ever. Yeah. What I'm trying to get at is like, you could name probably eight countries here where if the World Cup happened there, it would be just as outrageous as Qatar. In terms of, wait, do you reckon they would have the same human rights infraction? I think they would have a level of human rights. They would have issues with the stadium, um, crime in the area. Like, I think it would be... I think the point is, is that you can't... It's going to be a huge talking point about Qatar. Oh, yeah. And it, has and it been will be throughout the entire point. thing. And it has been for the last 10 years. But yeah. I do feel with most of these events, as soon as the first kickoff is taken... Oh, yeah. And we're all going to watch it. We're all going to watch it. We're not going to think about it in five years. Yeah. Good luck to them. Yeah. And I'll, I hope I'll, nothing I'll, outrageous I'll, happens. I just want to circle back. You said you had a rant about the soccer rules. Oh, can I swear on the pod? Yeah. Fuck yeah, we'll the soccer every week. Look, they don't deserve it in my eyes. Over a country like Peru with such a rich footballing history... I will never be able to forgive the Socceroos from 2006, what was supposed to be such a turning point for Australian soccer. Everyone knew every name of the player. We knew all the names. We knew every player in the squad. squad. Everyone watched every game. Everyone remembers where they were when we lost to Italy. And since then, there hasn't been one moment or advancement in Australian football I think for 16 years. When, Post- when Ange Postacoglu won the Asian Cup was the one shining moment. Apart from that, it's been shit. I mean, I didn't even know he won the Aussie Cup. Like, in, I, in 2015, I mean, that, Cup. that was a good moment for the, for the Socceroos. Yeah, I but couldn't even... I, I mean, I share a similar level of disinterest to the team. And to me, it's disappointing because like even... So we went to watch a great, one of the best live sporting events I've ever been to <laughs> in MPL, Melbourne Knights against South Melbourne at Melbourne Knights home. And... You, know, you turn around and the stadium has a massive graffiti of Mark Viduka. And it says Mark Viduka Stadium. And you go, look at the impact some of the players in that squad have made that still resonates 16 years later. And me and even yourself and probably Wilbur, I personally can't name one person in the squad. You probably can name a I can more. name about four or five. Four or five. You can name... No, you know Aaron Moy. I didn't even know he was in the squad though. Yeah. I know Aaron Moy. Um... Uh, he played. And to me, that's night. disappointing. And I know there's an element on me to know that, but I think as a soccer fan, the fact that I can name you... No, but it comes back to an episode me and Wilbur talked about in a month, uh, month or two ago when we said the talent pool in terms of where the, where these players are playing is mm. so far from where they was in, 2016, in 2006. 2006, it was Premier League clubs, top-level Bundesliga yeah, Everton, clubs. Middlesbrough. And they were starting for these clubs, not yeah. just fringe players. You've got Krustic who plays for Frankfurt, and you've got a couple other guys who play for half decent leagues, and everyone else is either in like the, the Norwegian league, the J League, Aaron Moyes in China, or the A League. And the A League standard is terrible. Like I, I, I've, I've, I've made no secret about my feelings towards A League. The last A League game I watched was three years ago when it was the mm. the grand final of the A League between Sydney and Perth Glory. And you think this is like the creme de la creme of the best teams in the yeah. competition. And it was a nil-all draw that went to penalties. Possibly the worst game of professional football <laughs> I've seen in my lifetime. And um, this is the reality and of I'm it. Like, like, and this is, what, this is the talent pool that Australia has to draw from. Like, yes, we've got, yes, there are some stars in the team. Like, I think Mabil is a talent. He, 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 plays, in, he, plays, overseas, he plays overseas. Krustich, a talent, plays, plays with Frankfurt. But it's one or two players. Why didn't, Ro- is Rogic Rogi in injured. the squad? I think okay, but he would be in the squad. Right? Yeah, so you've got Rogic, you've got Mabil, you've got Krustich, and Moy's in the twilight of his career. Yeah, definitely. But like, outside of that, everyone else is average. And, you're absolutely right. So then the question becomes, why is it that 
in 2006, we had half our squad playing in the top four leagues in Europe, and now we don't have one player on a significant team other than Frankfurt. I mean, that's like a whole like Australian sports policy. Yeah, question, absolutely. But... And it's a policy in the fact that they're not investing in their youth. They're not investing in the clubs. And it probably comes down to football Australia's, you know, probably bureaucratic and administrative framework and mindset that's probably focused on... I mean, like, I, think a, I think a big part of it is the fact that the A-League is stagnated and hasn't gone anywhere in about 10 well, years. Well, see, this is the thing. I would love to know, is the A-League making more money than it did five years ago? And, like, obviously take in inflation mm. and, like, CPI, all that shit. Like, is it... It's probably earning more inherently, but is it earning the same in real money terms today than it is five years ago? It also, another thing that would be interesting, I think, um, and, with, and with also how good uh, the women's side of the ball is, I think yeah. the A-League women's, I reckon that's making way more money than it did five years ago. Whereas the A League exactly. men's, I, I I wouldn't be surprised if it, it's plateaued a fair bit. And you can kind of see that with how much better. I mean, most of the really good women's players, Sam Kerr and all and all the like, play overseas for Chelsea, for yeah. you know Leon, for like you know Carpenter plays for Leon and a couple other ones. But, but see, is that like, funny? Like I know, these are like premier clubs. I know Kerr. I know Car- Carpenter. Yeah. I know two players in the women's team and I know zero players in the men's team. Yeah, and that's the thing. And it's like the women's team, the Matildas, are so much better. Absolutely. I'm like more the, like, the, I'd they, watch they, 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 they finished, guys. what, they made the first place playoff in the Olympics. Like, mm. they are, and you can see that in how far the A-League yeah. Women League has progressed and you can see that in how far the women's team as a whole has progressed and where, and the talent of the uh, Matildas, where they play in their club level. Australia, uh, uh, the Socceroos, it's nowhere near that and I don't know what's happened in terms of like yeah, you say like how, how is the A-League making any money is the A-League progressing in any way but and the other thing to think about is when we were in our heyday 2006 we'll call it our heyday yeah I don't think any of those players in the squad were playing in the A-League no not, not, not you know one I mean? not one they so were like, all playing for Premier League teams or Bundesliga teams or Italian League I teams. think you and I could probably go through and name like 10 of the players that started for let's, us. Let's fun little game. Let's, let's list it off now. All right. So, so you will go one, one, we'll go one, one, one. Okay, let's see until we... Swartzer? Viduka. Kolasinac? Kolasinac. Not Kolasinac. <laughs> Kostic? What was the name of the second keeper? Oh, the Croatian guy. Landing Kalac. All the goals. Kalac? I'm going to take that one. You're yeah, right. okay, sure. Uh, Bresciano. Lucas Neal. Kjul. Bresciano. I just said Bresciano. Bro, you're struggling. <laughs> Kjul. Yeah. Uh, Aloisi. <laughs> oh, that's a good one. Oh, was it Tim Kennedy? Josh Kennedy. Josh Kennedy. Yeah, I'll give you that one. That's close enough. Uh, Brett Emerson. Oh, that's a good one. Brett Bro, I can keep going. I got like four, more, four or five more. Brett Emerson's a great. You're struggling. One. I'm struggling, but I'm pretty like we've named about. Craig seven. Moore, Luke Wilkshire. Craig Moore was the one I was thinking. Um, of. He was the redhead, wasn't he? Yeah. It was like bald towards. Okay, Craig head. Moore, Luke Wilkshire. Um, yeah, I'm running out of names now, but that's at least seven. That's at least that's that's most of them. And these are players who played. Players played fifteen, ago. sixteen years ago. Yeah. yeah, and I can't name you one who played um, yesterday. Yeah, yeah, it's a bit of a shame. So think about this: if you had your CEO of Football Australia hat on, today's day one on the job, and you have to write a to-do list. What are you doing to improve soccer in Australia? I'm figuring out a way for there to be promotion and relegation between the M- between every state's MP on the A League. I'm figuring. I'm. 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 I'm tr- I don't know how it's going to happen, but I'm trying to make I it happen. It. I love it. I, I, I don't know if it's like, if it's like, um, if it if it turns in as in like it, it just depends on what state the country like the, so you pick two two teams to get relegated from or three teams to get relegated from the A League and what what state are they from. 
and then um, you pick. Uh, so when like you like, just for example, say it's Central Coast Mariners, uh, one of the Melbourne teams, mm. and Perth Glory. So that's WA, uh, WA New South Wales, and Vic. So then you get uh, two of the best teams from uh, uh, football NSW or NPL NSW. Uh, you get two of the best teams from MPL Victoria and two BM two of the best teams from MPL West, and they pl- and they play off in a little tournament for for the two for the best three teams so for one team from each of those states to go and join the league. I think that would be a great idea, and that's just the, a bit. Like, I'm not sure if that logistically works, but that would be my first idea. I think the simple like the simple way to think about it is you get relegated from the A League. And then who takes your spot is like, say, the top two teams in each state play off in some kind of playoff. Yeah. And then that determines who goes through similar to championship in England. Yeah. But then the question is, if like a team from New South Wales wins that playoff, but the team that gets relegated is Melbourne Victory, is there space for them just to slot into the Victorian? That's, what, that's what I think it, it needs. Yeah. It needs to be three teams. And, if it's, and, if it, and, it, and it's just like, it just so happens that the teams that get a chance to get promoted um, mm. are the teams... Uh, that just happens to be luck. If it's like if it's two Victorian teams that get relegated, then it's two Victorian teams go up. I, and that's just the luck of the draw. I, that's I, why you've got. That's why the, the teams that get promoted have to make have to make damn sure that like their teams are good enough to stay up, or else exactly. they'll just keep going, getting replaced by teams from their well, state. I mean, it kind of happens. Now if they're good enough, like if they, yeah, well, yeah. Because if they're good enough and they stay up, and then it's a team from another state that gets relegated, yeah, then every every team gets a chance. Yes, and yes, you could say there's no that uh, there's a there's a there's an MPL in Northern Territory and there's an MPL in the ACT. I don't know how that works into it, but yeah, I'm hard. sure it, I'm sure that like there, there's so many brains and people working in football these days in Australia. Like you can figure it out. I'm sure other countries have a system in place. You can figure it out. It's um, not. It's like uh, the, one of the big issues is. Travel, obviously. Like, saying, Australia so, is, is so big. It's the finances. Can a team coming up from the NPL afford the travel? Inject- Does the A-League have the money to support them? Well, that's the thing. Like, if, 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 if Australia is serious, and I mean really serious, about getting its footballing development, and even if most of these, even if all the, to all the major talents that they produce over the next 10, 15 years go off to Europe, that's if, if that means in the long run that the Socceroos are, you know, um, progressing to a point where they are making round of 16s they're winning the asian cup they're you know competing well in these tournaments then it's worth it so is that is the australian government or the a-league or whatever willing to put so much money and do what the premier league does which is essentially just gives promoted teams a shit ton of cash to not only facilitate travel facilitate transfers to facilitate higher wages for better players to facilitate better facilities facilitate their academies like it's it's going to require a massive influx of money and like but that's and I but like and like yes it may be risky initially because of like you know the low attendance records for the A League and you know even the MPL doesn't get a crazy amount of attendance like we no. saw at the, at the night South Melbourne game but if all, all of it I, I, the reason there's no there is a lack of attendance is because it's going nowhere no team gets relegated from the A League no team like you can get relegated from MPL one but you can't get promoted yeah so like there's no incentive anywhere. So if there's now an incentive of oh shit we can go down and we can start and we'll be and the elite teams are being threatened to play MPL and the MPL teams have like the taste that carrot on the end of on the end of a string that they can go compete in the and get all this money to play in the A League then all you could see football transform nationwide in this country and it will become so much more enthralling and fans would be so much more enticed to watch it and follow it and will their team on to success. And at the end of the day, I think we've just come 
become complacent. We get a pretty easy run to the World Cup every four years. If you talk to someone from FA who is content, they'll tell you Australia does pretty well in the Asia Cup every couple of years. We qualify for the World Cup. We've done as much as we can. They'll blame the government for not investing enough. But I think it's a question of where do we see ourselves and what is the ideal state? Where are we now? And what is the gap? The Matildas are the benchmark for me. Exactly. So then the question becomes, how have the Matildas managed to create and maintain and grow the talent to the levels that their players are playing for the biggest clubs in the world, are recognised around the world? More Australians can probably name you more women players than they can men, which is radically different from, say, 10 years ago. So what were the different strategies and approaches between the Matildas and the Socceroos? That, that I don't know. Yeah. And that's another story for another day. But Maybe they should do a collab. What? Maybe they should collab, share ideas. <laughs> I mean, it's got to be the same governing body for sure, Football Australia. But anyway, I digress. We, we've gone off track a little bit there. But let's, should we go let, back to the... Um, yeah, but the World Cup group. I was going to say some exciting games. The ones I picked were Group B, England-Wales. Yep, no doubt. Group B, England-USA as well. Yeah, true. Then E, Spain, Germany. That's the, the, the independence W right there. That's right. <laughs> the empires. Uh, Spain, Germany. Yep. Portugal, Uruguay. France, Denmark is a sneaker for a really good game too. I mean, Denmark could be the next Turkey in the Euros. Nah, man. They're really good. Didn't you not see them in the Euros? When they made the semifinals? I actually didn't watch much of them. They made the semifinals. They're really fucking good. So who are they playing? They play. They're in France, Australia, and Tunisia's group. Well, let, let's also just on just to tack on the end of the Australia. Australia is getting absolutely poleaxed by France and Denmark. They may get a point against Tunisia, but they're getting. I we, hope they lose. They're getting slapped up by Denmark. I hope they don't France. score a goal, so then they have to review their strategy. They won't though. Um, anyway, um, let's just quickly go through and say who we think is qualifying from each group. Oh, easy. So we've got first group: Qatar, Ecuador, Senegal, Netherlands. Uh, Ecuador, Netherlands. I'm going Senegal and Netherlands, oh, Ecuador. Ecuador. Senegal just won the African combinations. Ecuador are not that good. Uh, yeah, Ecuador anyway. don't have the players that they used to have, that's for sure. No, they don't have Antonio Valencia anymore. Um, England, Iran, USA, Wales. Group uh, B. Jeez, England, Wales? I'm going England, USA. As yeah. much as it pains me to say it, I wish that USA wouldn't go through, but um, I reckon they are. As, as, good as, Gareth, as good as Gareth Bale is, the more I've been thinking about it over the past few days, the USA are a team that's getting consistently better. Um, but hey, if Wales go through, I'd be so happy. Uh, group C, Argentina, Saudi Arabia, Mexico, Poland. Argentina and Mexico. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Poland aren't that good. Everyone saw that at the Euros. No. Um, group D, France, Australia, Denmark, Tunisia. This Pretty is obvious. Yeah, France and Denmark. Uh, group E, Spain, Costa Rica, Germany, Japan. I mean, you'd think it's Spain and Germany. <laughs> to be fair, everyone thought Germany was going through in Russia and they got knocked out by South Korea and Mexico, so... But under Hansi Flick, a new manager, and the way uh, the way they beat Italy five two this morning, I wouldn't be Impressive. surprised. Um, group F: Belgium, Canada, Morocco, Croatia. I mean, Croatia clear favourites. Then Belgium. Your Croatia clear favourites? No, definitely not. <laughs> definitely not. Yeah, this Belgium is, this, and is, this is this is a much closer group than I like. Belgium are starting to falter. They're the they're in the, their golden generation is in, is in its twilight. Um, although Kevin De Bruyne is still in his prime, but lots of lots like there's other of their once good players. Witzel, Lukaku, uh, Eden Hazard, another yeah. player he once was. So, and also Canada are on the up. And who they got is it Davies Alfonso or Jonathan Davies? Yeah, and, and Jonathan, they've got, they've got the other striker who plays for you there, McKenzie. No, Weston McKinney, he plays for USA. Is he USA? Oh, but they've oh. got other good players, and they're they're quite a good team. So I think this one 
is still probably Belgium, Croatia, but I would Canada will be in the mix for sure. And if there is a third place playoffs, like third place team that goes through, it'll be Canada for Canada. sure. But also Morocco as well. No pushovers. Hakim Ziyech, like serious ballers in that team. They've um, always had they've always had the fiesta with them. Yeah. Um, group G: Brazil, Serbia, Switzerland, Cameroon. This is probably the hardest to pick. Who's coming runner second? Up. Yeah. So hard. I don't know. I'm just going Switzerland. Stick Nicole Jokic up top, mate. Yeah. Score. That's it. That's <laughs> um, uh, I'm going Brazil and Switzerland too, just because like their their tournament pedigree. They're, they're... I don't really know who Serbia has anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Me neither. Honestly, they had. They're no, definitely. They had Hamsic, but they had Hamsic, but um, I don't know if he's still playing. No, Hamsic used to play for Slovakia. Oh, Slovakia. Fuck. Yeah. He used to play That's for Slovakia. So uncultured of me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> last group. This is another tough one. Uh, group H: Portugal, Ghana, Uruguay, and South Korea. Portugal and who? This is similar to G. Again, I think Uruguay. Uruguay are getting really old. Um, but they've got um, Nunes, a new superstar. Oh, is he? Uruguay. Wow. And get this, I know we're going to talk about it, but he took Suarez's jersey at Liverpool. No, he didn't. He's wearing number 27. Isn't that Suarez's jersey? Suarez won number 9, I'm pretty... No, no, he won number 7. What's the connection? I read something about the jersey. Keep he, going, I'll he, find it out. Um, so I think... Portugal, yeah, probably going to go through. Uh, I am going to pick a little bit of an upset here. I'm going to say South Korea. I reckon Son's on a mission. Son's on a mission. He had this, just had the season of his life. He's got a half decent strike partner now in Huang Hee Chan, who plays for Wolves. Uh, I think I think they could do something. Am I correct to say Sweden didn't make it? Yep, you are correct. No Sweden, no Norway, Erling Holland and uh, Martin Odegaard. I'm wrong. He just sent Suarez a text message after signing and saying that he's uh, going to walk in his footsteps. No, yeah. Okay. Well, we'll get on to Nunes later. But um, yeah. All right. So so you think Portugal and... Is he? Portugal and... I'm going Uruguay. Yeah, okay. Who do you think is going to win it? Early predictions. <laughs> Way too early predictions. Um, I think Argentina. I think Messi's, Messi's got a point to prove. He had a point to prove when he hit the... Yeah. When he skied the free kick in the final last time. That was two World Cups ago. Yeah. I also just think he's been on a tear. Argentina haven't lost a game in three years. They've won the Copa America. Crazy to think, huh? They're looking, they're looking shit hot. That was actually. I also think he's going to be way better for PSG this year than he was last year. He also, you could see how much the Copa America mean to him. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Like, honestly, things will change with, between now and before the World Cup. But my pick right now, just with how, how no other team is really impressing me that much, I'd say Argentina. I'm going France. I just think they're too good top to bottom. They're so inconsistent though. Anyway, we'll see. They're inconsistent because they got too many superstar players. Yeah, like England. But that can be a problem. Um, all right. So, moving on to the back to club football now. Uh, silly season is in full swing. Absolutely. Uh, teams are going ham in the transfer transfer market. Um, we're not going to talk too many too much about teams outside of the Premier League because uh, just I don't have much knowledge of that. Um <laughs> But I digress. Uh, it's been known for some time it was going to happen, but Manchester City have finally confirmed the signing of Erling Haaland. Uh, I'm like 60 million, 65 million pounds or something like that. But um, yeah, uh, very, very, very good signing. Well, I, I, I haven't. I don't think I've spoken to you about it off air or otherwise. What's What's your thoughts on that? I, I honestly don't blink at these signings anymore by City. Like as an Arsenal fan, I really couldn't care less who these top teams signed, to be honest. And Look, although 
on paper, Man City is still clearly the best side in the competition. I love the fact, I love the fact that they keep going out and signing the best players. And yeah, because fucking why not? Exactly, why not? Why not create the best possible team if money's not an issue? And let's see what the best possible players on a team in history can potentially do. I'm not saying they're there yet. Do you, like, some people are saying Erling Haaland isn't like like he's good, but like people are expecting so much of him, he's not quite going to live up to the hype. I mean. It, Man City, with the team around him, with Pep, he's going to be given the tools to succeed. He's going to be Do you played. think, though, because Pep, Pep's team hasn't played without a recognised striker for two years now, that they're going to struggle to readapt, or is Pep just is that, is that an easy transition? I think Erling is that good that he will fit and make it work wherever he plays on the pitch. And I yeah. think the way that Pep coaches and strategizes, I think he will find a way to get the maximum benefit out of Erling for Manchester City as a team. Not him ending up as top goal scorer, but they'll win more with him as oh, a team. Yeah. Do and you I, think he is the missing piece for them to win the Champions League? So to me, as we discussed last time on the pod when we were talking about, I think it was the quarterfinals of the Champions League back yeah, then. Yeah, yeah, They yeah. were playing... Who were they playing? It was Man City against... I don't remember. Napoli? It was someone that they were going to beat very easily. I think for me, the fact that they are always expected to win the Champions League and never succeed, never deliver, it is more of a mentality for those yeah, players. Yeah, you saw the way they crumbled against Real Madrid, yeah. And you think about even going back when they lost to Lyon. It's like, yeah. you can't be doing this. So I honestly think it's more of a mental... Do you think Erling, ha- Erling Haaland has that different mentality though? Well, if he comes in killing it he seems like he has that killer instinct to me that's what I mean if he goes and starts killing it has his swag confidence which he always will have especially when he's dominating in the Premier League which I think he will and even if he doesn't dominate the fact that he'll be playing for Man City which will still be at the top of the league like I think he'll have a better season than Grealish did I think also Grealish will benefit with playing off him as well yeah and I think Grealish is going to be twice the player he was this last season this Mm, season Um, but going back to Erling going to Man City like, he was wasting his time at Dortmund. He was eventually going to go, and what's he going to do? Go to Real Madrid? Why would you pick Real Madrid instead of Man City, other than the fact that it's in Spain rather than ugly England? That's my True. I think, I think I think for, ha- for Haaland, there's a little bit of the fact that his dad plays there, but mostly it's City could offer him wages and they play in the best league. I think that was the two biggest things for him. But I think the thing is, is we, as we get older too, we have to think about our perspective of these clubs and throughout... Erling, he's 21, which is absolutely yeah. mental. Um, his adult life, he has only seen Manchester City spend more, win more. Sure, they didn't win the Champions League, but that's less consistent. They've won four leagues things. in the last five years, yeah. And, you know, they caring more about winning, where else would you go? Like, yeah. they are the most probably consistent. And also, it'll be, like, like he's clearly got, like, I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but mm. he's clearly got an ego to the point where he's like, if I can be the final piece that wins yeah. the Champions League, what's that going to do for my legacy type of thing? Yeah, like, there's that there's that um, ceiling that he can reach. And, yeah. and you know, he's tw- as I said, he's 21. He hasn't grown up in the heydays of Manchester United where we were comparing. We were always going to p- compare the current or whatever team Manchester City, Manchester United put on the field to Skulls and Rooney. You know, we're a little too young for it, but it's just like the generation before us who will always consider the Arsenal teams against the Invincibles. You know, in his life, he has only seen Man City yeah. be... I mean, he's, and he's known Man City teams. from a long time too. Like yeah, his, dad, his dad's played there. He used to wear the kids. I don't believe his comments saying he's been an he's City fan his whole life. There's photos of him in Arsenal kits and yeah, other I saw kits. That. But I do think he's Man City has been in his periphery exactly. his entire life. And also, I like the fact that it sends a message to other clubs and owners at the top that if you want to even stand a chance against City, 
you need to match us and outspend us and they're not likely to do that. So I like the pressure it applies to other clubs in the world in the sense that this is the gold standard and if you're a Man City fan, you're loving life. Oh, like, absolutely. This is a time that you will appreciate mm. forever. Mm. And I don't see them stopping anytime soon. I do see other teams gaining on them in how much they spend, particularly with changes in ownership. I see that happening, but I still see City with a pretty strong... pretty. They've got a stronghold on the EPL for at least the foreseeable future. Well, speaking of that, and speaking of other teams spending more to catch up with them, Liverpool have now reportedly, if the add-on, if the add-ons are met, mm. reportedly broken their transfer record to sign Darwin Nunes. Twenty-two-year-old Uruguayan. Just before, um, that's definitely a statement of intent to yeah. st- stay neck and neck with Man City, even though they're losing Sadio Mane, who just who has just turned thirty a couple months ago. But now they've got this guy. Uh, I don't think he's as good as Erling Haaland, but I do no. think he's a very, very good player and a young, very talented prospect. No, so, absolutely. 22 years old. I think the thing for me, and the only, not criticism, but the only question mark on this transfer is the fact that he's 22 from Uruguay and he played in a league outside the top four. And I get it. He was... He played, he scored, in, a league, he played in a league outside the top five. Top five. And look, last season he scored 26. He was the highest goal scorer. He scored 34 in total, including one in each leg of Ben C- Benfica's Champions League, I think it was the quarterfinal. Against Liverpool, yeah. Yep, so they... So, he scored against Liverpool twice. So yeah. Klopp, you know, has a good up-close and personal I view think I think that's what, like, the, the fee was definitely a lot more to do with how well, how well he performed in the Champions League. For sure. Because, like, I, scoring the Portuguese League, sure. But, but I think the fee, the fee's an interesting one because you see there was a lot of reports about Manchester United being very neck-and-neck neck with Liverpool and that they offered him more wages on a weekly basis. But the two reasons it failed is because... One, man, you is not in the Champions League. And mm. two, you got Klopp, who's mm. but without a doubt considered the best, if not second oh, and best. The, and the, the yeah, tied into the Champions League. Liverpool are just so much closer to winning trophies than Man United. Oh, and, and Manchester United can only offer a dream and Liverpool are offering a reality. Right here, right now. Yeah. Like you will be the talisman up front and you are 22 and we are giving you the keys to the city. Yeah. Also, like you said, there's the Luis Suarez ties as well. Yeah. And an interesting stat, which I have for Nunes, but no one else. So I don't know if this is good or not, but... Yeah. 38% of his goals occurred when Benfica were already leading, meaning 62% of his goals, essentially a third, happened when they're either behind or equal. You mean two-thirds? Two-thirds. Yeah. So one-third when they're ahead. Yeah. That's a good stat. And I like that in a play. That's that's clutch. It means that he cares. <laughs> that's clutch. Um, but look, yeah, the price, they need a striker. Considering the team's after... Is it an overpay? I mean, what's an overpay these days? What's an overpay? You know, well, Liverpool don't have the same finances. as What's Man an City. overpay is the fact that we sign fucking Pepe for seventy-two million, <laughs> and this guy's going for sixty-four million. He's sixty-five million with potential for five, fifteen more million adults. I'm and the thing sure. for the thing for if you're a Liverpool fan, how this doesn't work out? It, like, cause let's let's put our shoes in. Let's but put like, our feet so in. There. Liverpool don't have the same level of funds as United or a City. Yeah, but the other thing is, when has a when's the last time a Liverpool transfer has not worked out? Under the in, in the Klopp era, you could argue Kate has been disappointing, but not really, no. That's what I mean. So you go, even if it's a bit of an overspend, you trust the system, you trust Klopp, you trust the players around them, you trust the It's the framework. reason the City spent so much money on Pep. Exactly. And I think giving this guy all the two... He will have, similar to Haaland, he will have all the tools to succeed. Mm-hmm. The only thing preventing him will be his own performance. Yeah. So I, I, I don't look at this and go, oh, 64 million... Because in today's day and age, this is what you pay for a striker who was being chased by numerous top But even teams. if it does go up to $80 million with the if the add-ons uh, targets are met? I mean, is there a difference between 80 and 60 these days? Not really, no. Not for these clubs. No. 
you know, I, I always go back to the stat that Real Madrid made 80 million, they're 80 million pounds back in the first three weeks of Cristiano Ronaldo jersey sales. Yeah. You go, this money means nothing. Yeah. So, no, I don't think he will fail. I'm excited to see how he performs because... I don't think the Nunez shirt will sell quite as well as the Cristiano shirt. No, I don't think so either. <laughs> Especially I, with the number 27, that's not a desirable number. The, the hesitation on this is the fact that he played for Benfica, whereas Haaland is tried and trusted superstar. Yeah. If it doesn't work out at Man City, you can blame a number of other things. But I think if Nunes doesn't work out, you would probably argue it's more on him. Yeah. That's the difference. Which is probably better because he has less expectations. But again, these days, it's it's so frustrating that these players get so associated with their transfer fee, which takes into account so many more factors than just and their And none ability. of them that they can control. None that they can control. Yeah. You know, these wages, I think, are £120,000 a week, which is actually pretty average. Well, Liverpool's wage budget is surprisingly modest compared to their, yeah. their title counterparts. Yeah, I think... I think Salah is the highest on like 200-something. Yeah, Salah and Van Dijk are the Whereas highest. Whereas you've got Kevin Jones. De Bruyne and like four players at Man City running around on Dude, 300 plus. Dude, you've got Man United, Phil Jones on 150k a week. Like. Yeah. So look, I'm, I hope he succeeds. Again, him and Haaland, I hope they both finish top Who do you think scores more scorer. goals next season? I think... Oh, it's so hard to say Nunes, isn't it? It's so hard to say Nunes. I want to say Nunes because the system and I see just Salah turning players out and giving a little tap into Nunez at the back. But it's so hard to not say Haaland. Yeah. Because you just see, the difference between Liverpool and Man City to me is that Liverpool wins more of those top six games, whereas Man City put seven past Norwich. Yeah, Man City absolutely beat up on the lower half of the table. And then that leads to more goals, which is why he has scored so many. Mm. The only thing for me will be the slight injury question mark on Haaland. He's missed a... Fair few games for Dortmund over the past season and a half. What are the injuries? What's he getting? Is it like the it's same like thing? Ankle and thigh yeah, okay. things. It's all it's all leg related. I'm pretty probably because sure. of his running technique. Yeah, he does run like a bit it's weird. A bit weird. Yeah. Um. But I, I. Yeah. If 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 both stay fit, it's going to be Haaland for me. But yeah. I could see Haaland missing a month or two through injury. But I also like the fact that these guys are going to be looking at the other one, saying, "All right, I'm one team's best new signing, and I'm the other." And they'll be comparing themselves to each other. And I hopefully hopefully that leads to brings a out the performance best, yeah. and brings out the best in them. Yeah. Um, because I'd love, like, imagine if we're, like, four games from the end of the season, they're neck-and-neck neck top goal scorers. And, and the like, title's, like, a point. Yeah, yeah. Like, that's what we're all dreaming for. Oh, yeah. Because Arsenal's not going to be there. No. Sorry to inform you. Speaking of Arsenal, oh, um, they a player that I would have liked to see go to Arsenal... For the last two or so years, I've been I've, I've messaged you about it. I've messaged Wilbur about it. A player I really like, uh, Eves Basuma, is reportedly being uh, transferred to Tottenham for a rumored thirty million pounds, um, which is just a steal and a great signing. And just as something as an Arsenal fan, you hate to see Spurs just making really. Or they've already got Perisic. They've now got. Uh, reportedly got Basuma. Looks like they're also potentially linked to Richarlison. Um, yeah, you just hate to see it. Um, and yeah, very smart business from them. Look, I think, yeah, it comes down to, again, an Arsenal, a guy on Arsenal's radar for however long. It comes down to Champions League and Conte. That's yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, I will say that regardless of how this pans out, he's going to start for them. But even for around 25 million, if he's a sub at the 70th minute, what a, what a signing. Like, yeah. if Arsenal had that kind of quality on the bench, I would be content i would be more than content i'd be over the fucking moon yeah but instead we're bringing on pablo mari in the 70th minute if he's not starting so this is why it's pissed me off because you compare this to arsenal and it just goes 
if we were in the Champions League, would we have signed Basuma and would this look very differently? If we were in the Champions League, we probably would have signed Tielemans, who are rumoured to be getting, and Basuma. Exactly. There, although, one, there is one thing that I think Arsenal may be worried about, but if Tottenham's interested in him, I don't think Arsenal would have been that worried about it, is he is his potential um, assault charge. Basuma? Yeah, that was sort of like delayed like on another it, human or it, another dog like on a human yeah okay uh, it's been it's been I don't, I don't know i don't know what the, the the technical term for it is but it's been like delayed or like offset to be done at a later date adjourned um, yeah or something like that um so it seems to just yeah, he didn't play for the first few games of the season for brighton but then it seemed to go away and then he's obviously played the whole season it always goes away for um, these guys well it doesn't go away for everyone well not um, that's for so sure. yeah there's there, there is that slight little you know cloud of uncertainty but it looks like that cloud of uncertainty is pretty clear. Um, that, and so, yeah, it's just annoying that uh, a player that also wanted to come to Arsenal, he's made countless Instagram stories, him and his manager, with like him wearing Arsenal kits, Arsenal kits on the bed next to him. I remember that. Last um, season he went to like Africa and he was wearing an Arsenal yeah, kit. Um, so it was, it, and like, I'm pretty sure last off season it, it was pretty publicly made like, you know, known that he would have liked to transfer to Arsenal and we didn't do it. That was probably because at that time is when the assault thing happened. Um, but yeah, like if, if, if everything goes, if everything goes smoothly for Tottenham and he performs well for them, it's just going to sting real bad because that midfield now, him and next to Hoybier, extremely solid. Um, and then you've got Kane, Perisic and Son up top, or even if they sign Richarlison and like, their defense needs it still needs a bit of work, but like they're already they're making moves. They're making moves, and like I said this to Wilbur earlier today off air, I wouldn't be surprised if they knock Chelsea out of third this season. They're setting themselves up to yeah, because Chelsea like I know they just got their new owners, but like who like like there's people leaving that club. Who really knows what direction that that, that team's going in? Yeah, look, as a Chelsea fan, I'd be a bit cautious. Yeah. Uh, I also again as an Arsenal fan, it's hard to not compare ourselves to Tottenham. Which we shouldn't be doing because we should be light years ahead. But that's a well, conversation. Like they are in time. a similar. Like they're in the Champions League, so they're doing better than us. But they are in a similar position. They are. They've got. They've got better made players, whereas we've got better development players that could be better in five years' time if we yeah. keep them. But we have to present to them that we are a team that they yeah. want to stay at, and we're so not doing like, that. Like like the, like rumors have come out recently. Like you know, Saka's Saka. love for Arsenal only goes so far. It needs to be shown that um, we are willing to put our best feet forward, make the signings that we need to make to get back into the Champions League. Which brings me to my last point of tonight's episode, which is Arsenal deals uh, somewhat stagnated, where we were seen to be front runners uh, for Gabriel Jesus. That now seems like three other teams are interested and now that deal hasn't progressed at all. Um, he met then, with Juve today. Yeah, and he's also apparently Tot- inter- Tottenham interested, Chelsea interested. Um, and also Yuri Tillemans. Apparently that's still high up in our priority list but like let's apparently want to get it over and done with yeah so like that but even even if you make those two signings that's not enough for me like look at how much Tottenham are strengthening I know Chelsea may drop out of the top four with it like but if they if Chelsea Chelsea's owners all of a sudden pull their finger out and get the ball rolling and they sign three amazing players yeah. like we have to sign a striker definitely has to be if it's not Gab Jesus it has to be someone have to sign Tielemans and we have to sign for me at least one other midfielder and probably one defender it's one of those things where you know we were sitting here questioning our last transfer window with players like Ramsdale and it worked out and we signed a fair few so we all walked away happy particularly after they started performing and we go look at us perform well above expectations but you're right this is a process where we still have massive gaps and 
it's it you can be contradicted on that when you go Arsenal overachieved, but the reality is is where what are your expectations for Arsenal? And Arsenal's expectations each season should be to make the Champions League. And in order to make the Champions League, you have to either spend on equal terms, if you have the framework to do it, or overspend the teams that are in the top four. Mm-hmm. We're not going to be able to overspend, clearly, Liverpool. We're not going to be able to overspend Man City. So we have to look not at Chelsea. not going to be able to overspend United or Chelsea either. Exactly. So what are we doing? And I don't trust Arsenal to make the best tactical signings of young wonder kids because I would argue that Martinelli, unless he starts every game this season, is still a while off. No, he's, he's good. He's, I think he's good. I think he's, he's good. very good. We know he's good, but I think we need... The difference between... We need more goals. Like, the, Saka and Martinelli... Like, Saka score, scored, like, 11 goals in the league this season. Martinelli, like, 6 or 7. Uh, Millsmith wrote 10. We can't have a Lacazette like, who scores one goal. But, like, yeah. Like, if you look at goals since, I think it was February, it was, like, Saka with four and everyone else had one or two. Like That's what I mean. We don't have consistency because our squad is one of the youngest in the league. Yeah. Which I understand, but we need to bolster it up with tried and tested players like Jesus... Like Rafinha potentially, who's oh, linked man. to Arsenal, Chelsea, I would and die Spurs, him. said yesterday in an interview that Tien Henry yeah, was his favourite player. Um, my argument is, if you're Rafinha, why the fuck are you picking Arsenal? Um, it, yeah, I agree. I think. I mean, the, it's far and away a step up from Leeds. So, but you know he's going to go somewhere. Yeah. So I would say, at minimum, we need Jesus, we need Tielemans, and then anything that comes beyond that. Is great, but I would argue if we spend, if we spend enough and we don't lose by five million like we have before in races for transfers, and get Jesus signed for whatever it takes, Tielemans for whatever Give it takes. Give a new contract. Yeah, and yeah, hold on to him. Exactly, and then we need to fill the squad with some solid players, literally like Perisic. Yeah. So that when we sub out a player, we're not subbing on Pablo Mari. Or Kalasnach. Well, I think Pablo Mari and Kalasnach are both gone now. They have to be gone. Yeah. Kalasnach is already gone. I think Pablo Mari was on loan at Udinese, but it's rumored to be either mm. going on loan again or being or leaving the club. Because so. we knew this was going to happen after the mid-season, sorry, the January transfer, that if we had one to two injuries, we were not going to survive. And that is exactly what happened. Yeah, this is why I think we need to sign another left-back. Clearly, they don't like Tavares. And mm. Tierney's fitness is too much of a question mark. Yep. We need another left back. Cedric was fine to deputize at right back. So I don't, that's like, that's not super pressing. But like, yeah, we, you saw as soon as we lost Tommy Asu, we lost Tierney, lost Party, our season fell apart. I think my question for that is then if we, if we sign Tielemans and Jesus, and then we're looking at players, maybe a couple of players for around, you know, two players for 20 million, 10 yeah. million each. Where's Arsenal's development players? Why aren't they sitting on the bench coming on as left back? Where, where's the development for some of these players to actually grow them rather well, than like spend Charlie Patinos and stuff? Well, they should be playing. Like, they should be at least starting some. Well, I mean, to, not starting, but they fair, should be on the bench. Smithrow, Saka, Martinelli uh, are all academy players. Or well, not Martinelli, per se, but Smithrow, Saka, um, uh, Nikedia, like. Um, and all those players that you named are probably top four of Arsenal's six best players. Other Kedi, than I don't know. Other than Saka, Saka, yeah. Saka, yes. Earl Smith, I'd put in like the top five or six. Yeah, maybe. And mm. I don't see anyone on the bench who is like the next Saka. Yeah. I see Pablo Mari on the bench. Well, at the moment, Smith Rowe is coming off the bench and he's, a, he's, been, he's been a very good impact yeah. sub off the bench. But it, it need, like, it, we needs to, there needs to be, like, I agree with you, 
two or three or four guys who can come off the bench. We need to get rid of Pepe, bring someone in who's impact off the bench. We need to get uh, rid of players like Torreira, Bellerin, uh, like sell them or get them out on whatever. Just get rid What's of them. What's the update with Torreira? I've been Torreira, Fiorentina, uh, the buy option after the loan is 15 million. Um, and they then at the end of the season, despite Torreira playing very well for them, won a bunch of player matches for them throughout the season, tried to offer us 7 million instead. And we were like, no. And wow. they were like, okay, well, we can't do that then. Which they're within their rights to do. But then apparently Torreira is really unhappy at the whole situation. Apparently unhappy with Arsenal. It's like, well, you should be unhappy at the team, actually, who refused to pay what what was originally agreed upon. In your contract. Yeah. Um, yeah I don't know why he wouldn't particularly because, yeah, he, was, he killed it for I think Fiorentina, like a lot of Italian clubs, just don't have a lot of money. Yeah. Even even though they sold Vlahovic to Juventus for 70 million, apparently they still don't have a lot of money. So. Do you know how much the buyout was? What did you say? Did you say it? What? The buyout for Torreira? The buy option. Yeah. For the loan is 15 million euros. It's not that much. It is for some clubs, maybe not for us, but for some clubs. Yeah. But yeah, like there's a, there's still dead like even though we've been culling Deadwood for what feels like 2 years now, there is still players who don't want to be at Arsenal like Real Bellerin wants to go back to Betis Mario wants to stay in Italy Torreira wants to stay in Italy As we need a, and Pepe is clearly on his way out uh, we need to get rid of all these guys even if even if it's at a loss get rid of them and then like I agree with you we need to get a mix of young players and some veterans I don't mean William who's 32 and passed it but I mean yeah. like veterans who will work hard and can be a really good impact and also just t- nurture some of the young guys as well well, it's like, you know, the younger players we signed that I would argue need to be used to fill out the squad is like the young gun we signed, Marquinhos, who apparently is like Martinelli. Yeah, well, if, if he turns out to be a really good prospect, then him coming off the bench, great. Okay. Also, if Sambi Luconga progresses this season, him coming off the bench, great. Uh, you got Smithrow or Martinelli, whoever starts out of those two on the left, coming off the bench. Great. You're just not winning. You're not, but you're you're not, need, we also need a right winger who can compete with Saka because Saka can't play as many games as he played last season, this season. He will yeah. burn out. I also Which is just, why I like the Raf- the Rafinha rumors if we can sign him or the Richarlison rumors. All of them are nice, but we're not winning. We're not landing a Champions League spot with Marquinhos coming off the bench. No, but yes, I agree. I agree. But he's it needs to, it needs to be him and two or three other guys. So at the end of the day, what does a successful? What do you think is going to happen? I think you've outlined what a successful transfer window would look like. But hand on heart, what do you think is going to happen? I think we'll sign Teal Evans. Uh, I don't know about Jesus, but I think we will sign a striker. I hope it's Jesus. Um, and I think we will sign one more player. I don't know if that's a right winger or a left back. It will be one of those two. Uh, like I said, ideally you want both, but I think it's going to be one of those two. At the bare minimum, I think we'll sign Tillemans and Jesus. I, I'm hopeful that we'll sign one other player. Um, but that'll be it. And I think we'll hold on to Saliba. I'm pretty confident that's going to happen. Um, so then we'll have a good because we're back in Europe next season as well so that, again that comes into your rotation in terms of players impacting off the bench oh. um, and I think given the big question marks around United and Chelsea I think we'll be in the mix again for top four um, it will just depend on how much our younger players kick on in now they're in their early 20s uh, and how much our signings hit the ground running and and also how much players like Sambi the Conga can kick on when given game time in the Europa League, uh, and if Nketiah can live up to his rumored potential new contract of a hundred k a week, Outrageous. which is ridiculous. If Outrageous. You ask me. I, I, yes, he played well at the end of the season, but a hundred k a week is ridiculous. Yeah, I think we are going to sign 
Telemans for sure, mm-hmm. and I'll be really happy with that because I see him as just a glue guy, plug yeah. and play. I think he, like he's a, he's a perfectly perfect player to rotate rotate in and out with Shaka. Exactly, or, or eventually start over Shaka. So we've got Telemans. I think we will sign either Jesus, and if we don't sign Jesus, and like clearly we're front runners. So like I think if we don't sign him, it's shame on us, or we, we fucked up rather than him. Yeah. Uh, and if we don't sign him, we're linked to Victor Osimhen, who we won't is get Osimhen. a they want, beast they, they, in they FIFA want, 20. They want like 70 million for him. We well, they signed him only last season for like 68 or something. Yeah, we're not going to get Osimhen. So I don't know why they let him go. They want stupid money for Osimhen. We're not getting him. Uh, so I think we're either, we're going to sign those two, and then I can't point at a third player. Yeah. I don't know. Like if Raf, if it's Rafinha is the third one, incredible, looking good, yeah. looking strong. But I don't know. I don't trust Arsenal to do that. And if anything, I hope. There's a bit of... I do think Saliba will be like a new signing. I know it's a cliche, but I do think he will be. No, like definitely will. Uh, I think... I'm hoping that the quick moves of Tottenham have lit a spark under the Arsenal transfer That's staff. That's wishful thinking. To actually get their shit together and go, yeah. all right, one thing's us not signing, another thing's Tottenham embarrassing us. Yeah. Because they're embarrassing us right now. Yeah. Arsenal, if anything, you'd look at and go, we needed more signings than Tottenham did. And it's been a week and they've signed... No, I reckon we need around about the same amount of signings. They've already signed two players, which I would be stoked if Arsenal got. Oh, yeah. That's the problem. Yeah. So, I don't know. I think we're we're always linked to the best players. You know, Tottenham isn't. And as a result, they end up signing good, medium to good players. And we end up signing one good player and then have six gaps still in our squad. Yeah. So, I think that's a bit more of a transfer strategy issue more than anything else. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. But um, yeah, like, and like, like it's going to be a long. Uh, well, it's actually it's only only about about two months till the next Premier League season Outrageous. starts. It's a very quick turnaround. Who less... do you think's going to finish higher, Arsenal or Tottenham this season? Tottenham. Agreed. Tottenham. Tottenham. Like I said, I think we'll push third. Um, uh, yeah, like Arsenal. But Arsenal, like I said, will be in the mix for top four. But um, yeah, Tottenham. I think I'm. Unless it all goes to shit, which very well could, knowing Tottenham, uh, I think that they will. They won't obviously contend the top two. The top two are untouchable right now, but they will be very competitive next season and probably push for third. Um, and maybe even if they get a good Champions League group, maybe even make it out of the group stage. But, <clears throat> but yeah, that'll probably conclude us for tonight. Agreed. <laughs> 55 minutes in, um, we've talked obviously talked a lot, been a few hot takes in there about uh, the Socceroos and such. Uh, if you have any thoughts on that, be sure to drop us a comment or on our Instagram, which is uh, 40rtwitch.pod, or feel free to message me or Rezik with your disagreements or agreements. You know, We, we, we love to respond to fan mail. At uh, Melbourne Pizza Review. <laughs> shameless plug. Um, and obviously, if you like what you hear, um, or you didn't like what you hear, but you want to listen to more, um, there we are, the 40-yard switch on uh, Spotify, where you can find all of our episodes. Um, but yes, as always, thank you, Rezik, for subbing in for your fourth appearance. Happy to be here. I'm sure it won't be the last one. Can you get the three of us back on? Yeah, we do, we do. Well, we'll like I said, we'll be finishing his last exam on the 20th, which is uh, Monday. And then soon, I reckon pretty soon, we'll be getting the ball rolling again with guests left, right, center. Um, we should do like a fantasy draft or something. Yeah, well, that was actually suggested by one of our listeners, Mohamed Yilmaz, who is... Um, Yilmaz. Yeah, so, so that is something we're going to be doing for the next Premier League season, a 40-yard switch fantasy uh, league. Um, so yeah, look out for that. But uh, until until next time, look out for next week when we uh, return with probably more 
crazy transfer news. Hopefully Arsenal sign some players. Um, but yeah, uh, apart from that, uh, bye for now. Bye, bye.